This episode is brought to you by Revel Snacks, R-E-V-O-L-S-N-A-X. Now, I have to say, I personally ventured down the keto path mid-2019 and really struggled initially. I felt like I was missing out on the little joys in life and couldn't enjoy any snacks or desserts. Then I came across Rebel Snacks and haven't looked back. They are by far the most delicious health food product I've ever come across. I mentioned that I'm a fan of keto, but these are the perfect option for paleo, vegan, or just overall healthy lifestyles. I try and eat as clean as possible, and these snacks are incredibly clean. It's a company that truly cares about their ingredients, uses organic when possible, and is mindful of our on-the-go lifestyles. Check out Rebel Snacks today and use code MUSICTHEORY10, M-U-S-I-C-T-H-E-O-R-Y 10 for 10% off your first order. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, Rhythm Section, and thanks for joining a very special episode of the Music and Theory podcast. Today, I'm joined by The Young Fables, a music group that we've been talking about for some time now. We're very fortunate to have them here with us in studio to talk through a few questions that have just been, I'm sure, on the minds of everyone. So we are with Wesley Lunsford, Laurel Wright, and Patrick Larney, their manager. Right, Patrick, that's how you would describe your role? Manager and friend. Manager and friend. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to put it. If your manager can't be your friend, probably shouldn't have that manager. So that's, that's true. true. That's yeah. good so to hear. True. So uh, thank thank you all for joining us today. It's really a pleasure. And like I said, we've talked about you on our podcast in multiple episodes. We usually try and have pretty distinct topics. Um, you know, for example, our first podcast was about music today and how we're kind of questioning, are we just getting old or is it just not any good? Uh, and then we had another podcast where we talked about country music and, you know, what is country music? And we went back to the roots and then we were looking at country music today. And even, you know, outside of you guys, we're kind of questioning what is country music right now? That's changing a lot too. So all these and more, we'd love to get your thoughts on this as we go through the episode. But first and foremost, uh, Laurel and Wes, if, if I may, Wes, oh, yeah. okay, we'll go Wes. Um, Backgrounds and influences. Talk to me a little bit about the roots, where you started, and what inspires you to play. I started in church. Like my parents threw me up on a stage, and I was like three, four years old, and in like a Baptist church. And then I just, I don't know, I never felt like I wanted to do anything else but sing. And then um, that's sort of where I, I started. And then when I was ten, I started playing guitar, and then uh, you know writing songs at that point. And yeah, here I am. That's great. <laughs> and mine, like. Uh... I think my mom bought me a guitar when I was 13 or something like that. Probably, yeah, 13 or 14. And and I remember before that, the first records I ever had was Moondance, Van Morrison, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob Dylan, Volume 3. Very nice. Greatest hits. Mm-hmm. And I, then I got the Beatles anthology because that was like, sure. had just come out. And I was obsessed mm-hmm. with the Beatles. Yep. And so I, that's what I wanted to do. So I was like, Mom, I got to... And she eventually You're got in good company guitar. then. Yeah. You'll find that a lot on this podcast. Cool. We tend Perfect. to talk a lot of Beatles, so that's good. Man, comic books and Beatles. How can uh, I go wrong with you? Wes? Exactly. This is good stuff, man. Laurel, I'm about to steal this guy. That's fine. Anyway, <laughs> so, you know, a little bit into the into the cast itself. I want to talk about music today. Um, it's changed a lot over the years. And, and in particular, you know, I think it's unfortunately maybe gotten a little worse on average. I don't know why that is. Sometimes we think about it as maybe there's too much technology involved losing a little bit of that raw art form. Um, I am 
a little bit older. Steve's even a little bit older than me. And, you know, unfortunately he couldn't join us today, but, uh, but it is true. But that being said, outside of kind of technology and maybe just how easy it is to get access to music nowadays too. I mean, you think about guys like Clapton and even before that, you go back to some of the really old stuff. They were just listening to other people play and trying to learn from what they heard, not pulling up tablature, not pulling up YouTube videos on how to. How much of that do you think influenced where we are today? Do you think music today isn't as good as it used to be? I, Outside of you guys, of course. <laughs> no, I don't know about all that. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like, um, I guess I can kind of agree with that, but also, I think that there's so much music that it's oh, harder yeah. to find the good stuff. Gotcha. And I feel like, I mean, we were talking about, me and Patrick, we are talking about this yesterday or something. Music is so subjective. It's hard to say, like, who is right or, <laughs> or not. Time to wake up. No. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think, like Laurel's saying, like, if you just listen to the radio, if you're taking that slice of what's popular top 40 mm. billboard hits you're only getting a tiny amount but if you take a wide swath of the internet i mean you can find anything my brother he he's a little older than me and he's a big metalhead you know and he always is showing me bands i've never heard of mm -hmm. and probably would never heard of without him there's just so much music and like Patrick's a good person for that too. He's always searching for that good next song, that mm -hmm. next artist. You know, he's just constantly listening. I find myself a lot of times sitting back on what I like. Me I too. Like. I'm the same way. So yeah. I, I always have to try and force myself to be like, there's something Explore out something there different. I haven't yeah. heard. You know. Yeah, I find that as well. Absolutely. And Patrick, just out of curiosity, I mean, obviously you're a fellow northeasterner from yeah. at heart. I mean getting into the country scene was that different for you or were you always a country fan coming from the northeast you know the, the funniest thing is is that uh, i didn't really actually dive into country music until i moved down to nashville mm -hmm. um well that, that's not true probably about two years or three years before i moved down to nashville i ended up managing a band in new york city called the vanity bells and they were like oh cool one of the only country acts in new york city mm -hmm. which set them apart in New York City. This is before New York City even had a country radio station. Gotcha. So you could go to Nashville and be and try to battle it out with all the country yep. artists or stay in New York and be the only country artist. Sure. And anybody who liked country music would be at your show. So mm -hmm. um, that that was pretty interesting. For me, I think that music, um, I, I agree with Laurel. It's there's, you know, uh, Steve Jobs did a wonderful thing by coming in and, and uh, giving worldwide distribution yeah. to literally Access. anyone with a computer. Right. But what that ended up doing is, uh, you know, putting so much content out there that mm -hmm. now you have to find a curator that likes the same type of music that you do. Yeah. Um, it's not like Wolfman Jack and mm -hmm. in the old days where the whole nation listened to the same mm -hmm. 25 bands, yep. <laughs> you know, so only the cream rise to the top. Now, what is it? It's the best marketing plan or, or whatever that gets out there. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's about learning um, how to find the music that, that, that you like. I think cert there are certain playlists or certain curation and certain people that it can help expose and raise awareness of good artists. And I think that's how I find music. Along those same lines, though, and talking about music today, obviously there definitely have been you know, many technology advances in recording, uh, the way we play instruments. Do you find that any of that has kind of muddied the waters to de determine really who's talented and who's not talented out there? 
is it becoming more and more challenging? Uh, I don't know. Like to me, like one of our things we say all the time is hard work will trump talent. Mm. doesn't matter. Like I know people who can pick up any instrument, like barely any kind of practice or anything. And they're just amazing. Yep. But you have to do something to put yourself out there. Like you can be the best person ever, but if all you do is sit in your bedroom and play, no one will ever hear you. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes I'd rather hear the person who's put in that work to put their stuff out. Cool. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, we've heard a little bit about your backgrounds and I heard your opinion on music today. Why don't talk a little bit about bands that you like now, but maybe you couldn't get into years ago. Personally, I, I found, and we talked to this in an episode, we talked about that and the opposite of it. Um, there's a number of artists that I think almost took a while to really make sense in my mind. A lot of the prog rock stuff I didn't get when I was younger. It didn't make a ton of sense to me. And then other bands like, I don't know, let's just say ZZ Top, for example, where I love their old catalog, but then all of a sudden, I think the 80s kind of ruined them, maybe in the early 90s too, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, so talk to me a little bit about bands that you like now, but really couldn't get into years ago. Or the opposite of that. I grew up on like classic country mm-hmm. and just like the the 80s and 90s country, but just like just country. Okay. Like I'm from East Tennessee, like my mom and dad, that's all we listen to in the car and that's that's really it. So you're like, talking about like highway men type, like those guys. Like you're like Alan Jackson. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. So gotcha. I was, I mean, and I was like, when I say classic country, not all the way back to Chet Atkins or yeah, I, it was more like Loretta Lynn and oh, like okay. Patsy Cline, sure. and I still love those people. Beautiful. But yeah, yeah, it's just like the country. Other than that, it's like you heard on the radio. It's yep. like you know, yeah, you're right, Alan Jackson, like George Strait, and and those de- those guys. Strait, but sure. um. But as I've gotten older and sort of been through some stuff and sort of like started to appreciate like other genres of music, mm-hmm. that that was my biggest thing. It's like I was like, nope, country. Like I'm only listening. I only like country. But um, we were listening to like Pink Floyd on our on our yeah. drive up here, and go. I would never mm-hmm. have liked that. Like even five years ago. Sure. Like I not that I don't like it. I know people are probably gonna hate me for saying that. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I just couldn't get into it. You know, it just like it wasn't my thing. Right I, I didn't understand it. I'm yep. like, uh I listened to like two songs. I'm like, I'm done. And we like <laughs> listened to the whole album. I did fall asleep, but sure. it's because I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> not because I didn't like it. But I it was really, the wall. That's yeah. Yeah. double disc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's but long. I love yeah. that stuff now and I probably owe a lot of that to Wes because he listens to everything. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the car with him all the time you're mm-hmm. forced to listen to things that you probably wouldn't listen to and then i learned a lot that's great <laughs> yeah that's actually that has a lot to do with me the the music that i have gotten into recently and i don't even think west knows this but when we were driving up to lake tahoe that one time it was a long long drive and uh wes and me said you were sleeping and <laughs> of course and wes just kind of gave me like a four-hour rundown on like who how all these old classic country mm-hmm. people were names oh, i never cool. even heard of and yeah. it blew my mind but i kept a bunch in my phone and I've been going <laughs> going great. back and looking yep. some of that stuff that's the way to do it and for me i think like to me uh i was as a kid i didn't really care about the words and things as much like i would just i like the music i like the guitar parts i like that kind of stuff but like especially with country and certain other people, I think like Bruce Springsteen and people like that, mm-hmm. you have to, and this is going to sound snobbish, but Uh-oh. I don't really mean it, Uh-oh. but I'm going to say it anyways. I think you have to live your life a little bit yeah. to get it. 
Like I remember I listening to. <laughs> well, yeah, you did. So you were the yeah, snob, you were I was the snob, snob first. That's right. <laughs> but like Springsteen, I remember listening to Springsteen when I was a kid, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Mm-hmm. But then, like, not that long ago, probably four years ago, I was like, I need to listen. I don't know enough yeah. about Springsteen. Yep. And I went and listened to it. And I'm like, this dude is a genius. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Love the energy he brings to stage too. I mean, if anything, you know, forgetting how talented he actually is, but just the fans love him. Oh yeah. And he's developed this cult-like following, right? And we talked about that in an episode too. And we talked about Deadheads and folks that follow Springsteen and even even some of the more eclectic bands that are out there, the Army, you know, Kiss, right? Oh yeah. Those guys. Oh my goodness. Um, are there any bands that you all are diehard fans of? Ones that you couldn't live without? Oh yeah, they're... or ones that you even follow around. I know you're often busy touring, but other bands that you may follow too. I feel like mine changes a lot. Is that right? Which, mine, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like I'm trying recently, I've tried to like um, see my heroes before they die. Yep, which is sad to say. But so I've recently <laughs> said I saw George Benson, I saw Pat Metheny, nice. Bill Brazell, mm-hmm. people like that. Um, but there's certain bands like I love the Reverend Horton Heat mm-hmm. from as a little kid that's one of the reasons i play gretch mm-hmm. is because reverend horton heat i've seen him like probably 10 times mm-hmm. and like southern culture on the skids like those kind of people i just there are bands that i'll see every time i've probably seen guar like 10 times too no but, kidding yeah. wow okay <laughs> no cool. I, he took me yeah we <laughs> that's and i was cool. scared to death wow because i didn't know what i was getting myself into yeah, I, I bet i'm scared and i've only seen pictures so i can only imagine <laughs> i was being there, there. Well, like i, I said my it. brother he's a big metal <laughs> That's great. I love it. You get PG to the monster. Oh, yeah. Very, very cool. You know, one thing I did want to get your take on because, uh, you know, you guys are, is, is it a duo or a duet? What do you, what do you say? Is it it's a duo, country duo? Duet yeah, is a duo. song. Duet yeah, we have a song. song. Yeah. Perfect. So you guys are this country duo and obviously on your records for, you know, studio recordings, sometimes you'll hear rhythm sections, but when you tour and you're out there on your own, it's just you two. So how do you think about that rhythm section in the traditional sense? You get along without it, but do you somehow modify the way you play? Does somehow what you're doing provide a little bit of a baseline for Wes or vice versa when certain things are happening? Uh, how do you do it, basically? How do we get along without a rhythm section, without drums out here on the road oh, yeah. and without a bass player? Whenever um, I was younger, I only play acoustic guitar. So mm-hmm. um, when I was I started playing when I was 10, but when I was like 12 or 13, I really started, I wanted to learn like how to play, not just like chords. And I wanted to be able to accompany myself without having to rely on someone else. Cause I hate relying on other people for anything. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> um, except for Wes, when I want him to do everything that I don't want to do. Well, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to learn how to play for myself. And so I feel like whenever me and Wes started playing together, it was sort of like, Oh, it, like I can already play acoustic. I can, I can do whatever I need to do. But then when Wes started playing with me, it just, it sounded so full, mm-hmm. I guess, you know? And that's why, the, one of the reasons why I thought we should be a duo, I felt like we really were, like, good for each other in so many ways. And when we made our album, I really wanted to make sure that, like, adding a rhythm section or adding all, adding all these... Um, didn't change that feel. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I didn't want to change anything. Yeah. Because we are a duo, mm-hmm. and we don't really, like... We play a few shows with like full band and and, and we do we play off, yeah. often but more more or less we're like a duo and yeah. so I just didn't I don't want people to think that oh man I wish they would have had a band with them because mm-hmm. I really miss that you know mm-hmm. I don't feel like we've ever had that comment before no well we've had like people want to hear a band or whatever but I remember when we went did our last record we were talking with 
Mitch Dane who produced it. And one of the first things we talked about is like, we want to take what we do and just put something else with it, but we don't want to lose like that. Like amplify. You know, yep. it's like, how do we do that? And he did a great job mm-hmm. with wow. it. Very cool. That's, that's very interesting. I, I mean, we always, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about some of the best rhythm section players of all time. We went through uh, an episode on that. Actually, we talked a little bit about it. And then we hear folks like yourselves sound so amazing. And to do it without a bass mm-hmm. and drum is just mind blowing, but very cool. Anyway, um, on to the next here. I want to talk about uh, probably one of our most liked episodes, actually, is uh, bands that are underrated all time. Ones that you think just, it's just, you cannot understand why people don't gravitate towards some of these names. Who's top of your list? A couple that you have out there. Yeah. Like, do they have to be They can be artists. Famous? Or no, they, they were underrated. They yeah. could be whatever. That's if true. you don't think they're getting the right spotlight, or and they could have been around 50 years and just, for some reason, they don't get played, or people aren't into them. Hmm. Well, the Young Fables. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> They are extremely underrated. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Since I'm a guitar player, I'll go guitar player. Um, I think, and you can do bands or, or artists. Or okay, whatever. I'm having but a hard time. To me, that. like Glenn Campbell is, oh, yeah. he is popular. He rides on Cowboy, all mm-hmm. these things. But as a guitar player, he's one of the most underrated guitar players. People mm-hmm. forget that he is so amazing. Love it. What about Steve Warner? Steve we saw Warner, him the yeah. other day. And as a guitar player, extremely mm-hmm. underrated. Just like amazing to watch. Very cool. What do you think, uh, singers or something? I don't know. I feel like I want to say something about Nashville because it's growing so much every single day mm-hmm. that when it were the tour, it's Music City and people are like, oh, mm-hmm. there's so much music. But then when people come there, if you don't do your research before you come to Nashville, you end up on Broadway. Yep. And not that that's like a waste sure. because like that's where we started. <laughs> right. I mean, we, yep. we play on Broadway, but it's just there's so many other artists that are like, that don't get to travel like mm-hmm. like me and Wes have this year that are in Nashville. And it's like, if you don't go out and see those artists, I feel like those that's what's un- underrated to oh, me, okay. I guess. You know, like the artists that, you know, you go to Nashville and you pop in this like bar with that's the size of this room and there's mm-hmm. like five people in there or whatever. And they're like, why aren't you so much bigger? And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's what blows my mind. I'm yeah. sure you can relate yeah. to that. Patrick, yeah, there's right? two bands that come to mind for me right away. Um, there's a band out of Kansas. They're named Barnaby Bright. Oh, wow. And, I like it. Yeah, and those, I, it, it baffles me that they're not winning Grammys. Mm-hmm. I will say, like, one of my heroes would be Liz Longley, and who is Patrick is engaged to now, thanks to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Take all the credit yeah. for that. Yeah, I like no, But, like, and every, like, we traveled so much this year and you know we say we know liz longley and everybody knows her but she's not like you know a superstar but she's well known but to me in my eyes she's she is a superstar so i'm like why doesn't everyone know liz longley why isn't she doing like stadiums and things like that so i would i would say probably her i'm not trying to suck up and being honest no i I was a fan before she was your girlfriend that was my second person Yeah, no, we, that was a big episode. We loved it, and you know, I'm not going to put you guys in the awkward position of naming overrated bands too, because we <laughs> oh, went yeah. that route, and it was it was hilarious. <laughs> but I uh, know we had some good underrated ones in particular. Uh, you know, Alvin Lee. Oh. Right? Ten years after, I mean, my God, incredible performance at Woodstock, and uh, just someone who, you know, put together an incredible body of work, but feels like it never gets talked about. You know, mm-hmm. folks like that. That's very, very cool. Very cool. So, cover songs. We had an episode out there called Cover Songs Suck. 
<laughs> or do they? Kind of you know, question mark. We'll put it out there. You know, as a duo who's been around now a little while and you get out there and probably earlier in your career, you're probably playing more covers than you'd like. Uh, folks come up to you all the time, probably ask you to play things. I know I did when I first met you. Um, any cover songs that you think are really well done uh, over the years that you've heard by other artists and musicians? Uh, and then any covers that maybe you're not the biggest fans of or ones you don't like to play, I should say. Oh, for, for us. Um, or in general, ones you've heard other artists play too. Uh, Take it wherever you'd like. Wow. <laughs> I will say the ones that I don't like to play, just because Wes and I take requests. Like, still, we still do that. Sure. You know? We yeah, play in the Nashville airport. And, yeah, anywhere in Nashville, people come up and request music. And, you know, to get their $2 or whatever they're going to give you, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, sure, I'll play it. And then you just, like, try to fake your way through yeah. it. I would say that's my least favorite. Is when I don't know a song, <laughs> oh, yeah. but I still try sure. to. I had, I had the Laurel was sick the other day, and like she said, we play in the airport. I not know everybody doesn't know that, but <laughs> I was by myself at the airport, wow. and someone requested "Before He Cheats" by Carrie Underwood. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> I was like, "This is a yeah Vocal performance was, too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh yeah." And I was like, "Well, I'm not, I got to make some money." Oh, today. I love it. I love it. So I, I, I faked my way through it. I, I was just gonna say, I want to see like, that. That's amazing. It That's is. Incredible. It's tough. Like when you don't know so those. Yeah, those are probably mine too. My favorite covers, mm -hmm. though. I don't know. Rhinestone like, Cowboy. Oh, for us, yeah, that's my favorite. Oh. Do you get asked to play that a lot? Not really, oh. but I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> you probably hate it when those guys come up to you and ask you to play Jason Isbell songs. Like no, we don't. Right? we don't. Yeah. See, we know we, those songs. Yeah. yeah, it's Wagon Wheel that he loves playing. Oh, <laughs> Wes and I don't really mind uh -huh. playing cover songs. Mm -hmm. We, I know a lot of artists that just don't play cover songs, mm -hmm. which that's totally fine. But yep. I love paying tribute to people that. Like they're the love. reason why mm -hmm. I am doing this, That's and it's like, point. why wouldn't I? So even though you know we don't play as many covers as we do originals during our shows, mm -hmm. I still love to play covers. Like, and I always think about like um, bands where the singer is not necessarily the writer. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, like Rush, you know, Getty Lee doesn't write yeah. any of the lyrics. Sure. Neil Peart writes all the yep. lyrics. Yeah. And so like and I always think who? about Townsend oh yeah exactly songs, right? yeah, and it's a. Uh, how does that, you know, how do you put what you feel into a song that you haven't necessarily written? I think that's a cool thing to do, too. You know, one interesting aspect of this, and it really struck me when I was in Jan uh, Nashville back in January on business. I was there and my brother was there as well. And we're walking around Broadway and we're looking for a place to go. And what lured us in was hearing a familiar cover. So it's almost like sometimes you need those good covers to get people in the door. Mm -hmm. Then you can start playing some of your own catalog and things that people haven't heard as much. But the cover almost, it's almost a useful weapon, like a tool that can be used very meticulously. I agree. You know, oh, yeah. lure some people in. Next thing you know, I'm sitting there and it's, um, God, what were they playing? Hotel California. You know what I mean? <laughs> most, one of the most popular songs of all time, but it got me in the bar. Next yeah. thing you know, I'm buying a drink, sitting down and I'm play whatever you want. Now I'm here. Right? Yeah. So it works. That is a good work. That is a very good point. And I mm -hmm. think that's what people sometimes forget is like no matter how good of an artist you are until people know your songs mm -hmm. they they want to hear things that are familiar, familiar. and then yeah. you can you can start putting yours That's in right. there too you know i agree i think that it, with 
cover songs, another another reason that they work really well in introducing acts, and this mm-hmm. is why I think so many people have gone the successful route of doing covers online, mm-hmm. is if you're an artist and it's it's hard to be like, hey, here's 15 of my songs, and now you know who I am as an artist. <laughs> right. You can't just do that in a second. But if you do a cover song and mm-hmm. somebody's already familiar with the song, they can subtract what they already know about that song from what they just heard. Yeah. And what's left over is what that's you are you. as an artist. That's right. So that's it's, right. it's it's easy to kind of, you know, litmus test mm-hmm. whether you like that artist or not just by how it differs from what you you already know. Well, and, you know, covers are so delicate, too, right? Because you can offend people if you totally take <laughs> a cover song. Maybe it was their wedding song or something and you make it your own and change it all up. That can be done in a really tasteful way, or it can be done in a way that people are like, are you kidding me? You know, just, they totally tune out. So very delicate. I get that. Pretty cool. Uh, Wes, this one's for you in particular. Uh, love to get both of your opinion on it as well, though. Uh, your guitar playing second to none. It's it's impressive. And I, I can't get over some of the solos you put together. Uh, in particular, Paradise and Better Hand. I've uh-huh. listened to those solos countless times. I cannot figure out how to play them. Uh, maybe while you're here, you can show I'll me a record. Yeah, I was about to, to volunteer, Wes. <laughs> Pretty that. awesome stuff. But, um, you know, what are some of your favorite guitar solos all time? What are the, um, the ones that stand out to you? I like so much different kind of music. Uh, it's tough. But, like, rock music, probably David Gilmore. We mm. were talking about Pink Floyd is one. Sure. You know, of course, people like Slash and things like that. But some of my favorites are, like, Pat Metheny. His, like, his solo on Bright Side's Life, he was, like, 21 years old and just, like, killing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I like so much stuff. George Benson on Stardust, that solo always stands out to me. Yeah. And I, yeah, to me, with guitar playing, I always think of, there's two quotes. There's one from a guy named Joe Pass. And he said, when the chord changes, you should change. Mm, yep. You know, and that always sticks with me. Yep. And I was talking to somebody yesterday, they were talking about, uh, after our show, they were like, how do you think about, and I was like, when the chord changes, you got to change, change mm-hmm. something. And it's yep. not all about playing scales and modes. Right. So like when I hear a lot of guitar players and that's what they're doing, instead of Stuck like in picking, the scale yeah, and, yeah. you should need to be picking those things. Mm-hmm. And that's what stands out. Like Dave Gilmore, he's a genius at picking right. those notes. He's almost like a Miles Davis yeah. of rock and roll, where it's like those special notes really stand out. I agree. No, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, and again, Steve's not with us today. I wish he were, though, man. He's an incredibly talented guitar player as well. And one thing he's been working with me on is, you know, playing over the chord changes, mm-hmm. being more melodic, understanding when the chord changes, what to what to play and what to emphasize, too. I do find that to be really important. But, yeah, guitar solos, it's interesting. There, there's something that you feel like don't exist much anymore, yeah. at least, you know, in mainstream music. And that's why I love that you still have a bunch in your songs that you put out there because, in my opinion, there's just not enough anymore. Um, but yeah, the guitar solo. Oh, my other quote. I forgot I said two quotes. My other one is from a guy named Jim Hall. And he says, some days you pick up the guitar and you just can't play it. Mm -hmm. And that always makes me, makes me think about like people who play to their strengths. Like some people can't play fast. Like Jim Hall was never a chops monster, Mm -hmm. but he played what he could. Like he, he was a genius at what he did, you know? And so you need, just need to find what you do. Very cool. Very cool. Well, before we get into the question on country music I have for you guys, um, in particular, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, vocals and harmonies in particular. Um, you know, Laurel, you mentioned church. I think you started out. And mm-hmm. Actually, I would love for my daughters to do that. We were talking about it, too, getting them singing in church just to start, you know, working on it a little bit, getting in front, uh, in front of people or yeah. present, basically. But how do you guys think about vocal harmonies? Almost in the same way that you think about the rhythm section is kind of absent. So it's just you two. 
you're both playing instruments, yet you have to somehow harmonize too. How do you think about playing off one another vocally? And obviously most of the vocals are, are you, mm -hmm. but I've heard Wes yeah. periodically, I hear him and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. They get both, both sounds in there simultaneously. I think our voices, like first off sound, they just work really well together to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I usually sing lead on our original stuff, but I think one of the really cool things about when Wes like tries to find a harmony, like after we, you know, get done writing a song or whatever is he doesn't hear, Oh my God, I'm really bad at technical music terms or whatever. Um, what's like the harmony that everyone hears? Like the third. Okay, the third. So Wes doesn't hear that. Like, and it's so hard for him to hear it. Hmm. And so sometimes when we're like trying to, he's like, help me find this harmony or whatever. But he's singing a harmony that I don't hear. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know why you're singing. So which harmony do you hear? Oh, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to pick something that works fast. But it's so cool, though. Yep. Like, and you don't you don't really notice it yeah, sure. until, like, you know, I point it out to the world. <laughs> but it's super cool, though, because it's not just, like, the harmony that, like, everyone else hears. Like, I'm a singer, so I was like, I hear the third. Or I just learned that. I hear the third. But Wes doesn't hear that. I don't know. And I think a lot of it has to do with that will whenever we play a song, sometimes we play like we don't rehearse. I mean, this is going to sound terrible. <laughs> sometimes we don't rehearse songs. We're like, hey, hey, we're at the airport. We're at a, you know, a bar or whatever. Let's play this song. Let's work it out right now. And so I'm just picking we whatever I can. We don't recommend that to no, anyone. No, we don't. Yeah, it's but... not a good way to do it. <laughs> but I'm just picking out whatever I can. So that's why you'll find in some of our songs, they'll be like, well, why doesn't he sing the whole chorus? Well, it's just because... I picked out what I, I liked and mm -hmm. I just sang that, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. I'm not singing like a lot of, of duos. It's two singers, mm -hmm. which our duo, it's really like my guitar and her voice. Right. That's the, and, and in a way your guitar is a voice. That's why I, I love think. it too. Not that yours isn't yours. Absolutely is too, <laughs> but it's uh it's different, different voice, different styles. And I, I love that. Excellent. Very cool guys. Well, I appreciate that. Vocal harmonization, I think, is a huge aspect of not only what you do, but I think what's important today in country music and probably not enough of it. So now we're going to move on to probably the last question, which is, you know, we started, we did an episode called Country Music Is. I'm still not sure what country music represents today. Years ago, country music was amazing. And uh, I felt like there was just this multitude of artists you could put on and in any which direction, Willie, Merle, right? Any of those guys, you were, you were, you were in good shape. Didn't matter mm -hmm. where you, where you went, but now it feels like there's this huge divergence of country music. And there's this thing in particular, it's, I call it the, uh, or at least um, I've heard it called the snap track where like, it's like a drum thing in the background, but it's like, it's almost like dance music in country. And it's, I don't know. It doesn't feel traditional to me. And I love that you all refer to your band as, what is it traditional modern or modern, modern, tradition. modern traditional. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so cool. So before we go too far into the topic, tell me a little bit about modern traditional, but, but then help me understand what you think is going on with country music today. It's more mainstream than it's ever been. I mean, we're sitting here in Connecticut today talking about country music. I don't know that that would have been the case 20, 30 years ago. And sure you'd have your pockets of people who really enjoyed country, but people will listen to our podcast to understand country music because now so many more people are into it. It's yeah. become so mainstream, and I don't quite understand why that is. So anyway, modern traditional, and then hit me with a little bit about what is country music today? We always say modern uh, modern traditional country, which is a term we made up essentially, is um, we either play, however you want to think about it, modern 
country music with traditional roots or we play traditional country music with a mm. modern twist. Interesting. Um, but I think like, like we were talking before, music is so wide nowadays that um, country is wide. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like... That's exactly what I was going to say. And if right you look now. back through history, there's always been pockets of country music. So mm-hmm. when, when Waylon and Willie, mm-hmm. David Allen Coe, and these kind of the outlaws yep. came out, it was in response to... Countrypolitan, the Nashville mm. sound, which was Glenn Campbell and these kind of yep. people where there's orchestras, it it was pop music, you know, and so they were like, wow, we don't like this. Interesting. We're coming out as mm-hmm. the outlaws. And even back in the day, I mean, Patsy Cline, Cline was the queen of countrypolitan music. You listen to that and then you listen to any of the crooners of the time. The music is not that different. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like country has always flirted with pop music. And even now, I mean, there's so many different genres of music. Bro country. You right? have, it's they're like, flirting yeah. with, oh, man. with heavy metal and yeah. rock and roll. Mm-hmm. That's like, so country is essentially, one of the reasons I fell in love with country is that it's like jazz in that it takes everything and makes it part of it. So you have the bro country where they've taken Guns N' Roses right. and all this kind of stuff and made it country mm-hmm. essentially you have the pop country like the uh kane browns and stuff who are mm-hmm. taking rap and and stuff like that but you you will always have people who are taking it back i love that you associated it with jazz too because we actually did mention that on the cast because i don't think a lot of people appreciate how challenging good country music is to play i mean oh, chicken yeah. picking is no joke you know right. and i know yeah. that was something that steve had been working on he's he's actually gotten pretty good at it but I think people often underappreciate, of course, jazz and then country music. And they just they think of them as these easier to play genres, in particular country. But mm-hmm. they're wrong. It's very complicated. So I love that you uh, you mentioned that. But Laurel, what's your what's your thoughts on this? I was going to say country music is a wide genre. That's what I was going to say. But I just when people come up to me and they're like, you know what, what genre do you play? And I'm like, oh, I play country. Well, I don't really like country. Well, but there's so you still get people saying that yeah because yeah. they always associate it with with whatever but how on the radio do you not like it it's, it's like, like like you just said there's so many different i would just say I play, I play good music yeah <laughs> do you like that you know? oh yeah that's what happens oh i'm sure I they love music. me as a guy who I, I own an entertainment company so i i, I always have to like pocket people into a genre because i'm mm-hmm. I, I market music yeah. that's what i do as, as a job and one thing that i have found is um and and I give this, I talk on this quite a bit because I really feel like this is, is, is what happened. You had rock at one point and then there were a bunch of people that came in that had a Southern feel mm-hmm. and they started playing rock music. But instead of calling it rock music, they called it Southern rock mm-hmm. and nobody was pissed off. You're talking Skinner and Almond yeah, way back. Yeah, right, okay, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And nobody had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you have country music and you have. People like a Luke Bryan or uh, Maren Morris mm-hmm. or whatever that, or, you know, Taylor Swift before she went totally pop mm-hmm. w- would come in and bring a pop feel to uh, country, mm-hmm. but they just continued to call it country. Yeah. Where, and then you get these terms like bro country, which is almost, you know, th- a throw and shade yeah. At, yeah. at what it is. Yeah. I don't think anybody would have any animosity towards a Luke Bryan, if they would have called it Southern Pop, mm. but they didn't call it Southern just Pop. Call it out they just what it kept is. calling it country. That's fair. Right. Yeah. And so, because yeah. you do that, you throw this wide net around everything, and you and almost then, insult certain people right. in that group, right? Exactly. Yeah, and then what fair. ends up happening is, is they say that you know, right now the the big thing is, oh, Americana music's on the rise. Yeah. 
I don't think Americana music's on the rise. I think it's the refugees of country music yes. saying, yes. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be compared to Luke Bryan yeah. when Tyler Childers, says, and when she right, says I'm country, guys. because actually the young fables probably in today's day and age relate more, more or more at home with Americana describes mm-hmm. her music. I can more see that Absolutely. because of everything that's been encapsulated in country music. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where the people who are defining the genres and calling the playlist to the radio stations made the mistake, not not the people making the music. Well done, Patrick. I like that. Very cool. Uh, excellent. Well, um, before we conclude, you know, Patrick, you did make mention of it. Uh, if you want to absolutely uh, make note of the company you work for and anything you want to talk about for them, what you guys do. Um, it, it's Hope Tree Entertainment. Um, basically, uh, I have a, a passion for uh, helping young independent acts find their uh, path and self-sustain and raise awareness of, of, of music that I that I love um, in the independent field. Um, I the only band that I manage is the Young Fables, mm-hmm. but I work with quite a few different ones. I think that with the tools that you have today online, mm-hmm. you know, i.e., international distribution with Spotify or iTunes, sure. and video through YouTube and whatever. There's just so much opportunity for everybody and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't consider even even though it's called an artist development company, mm-hmm. I don't feel like we develop artists. I think artist lives in you already. Right, right. The development side is let me teach you the business side mm-hmm. of what you you're doing so that people can even recognize you as an artist. Makes sense. Sure. Very good. And then any uh, additional plug you want to provide for the young fables here? Yeah, Patrick. Um, Hello. <laughs> uh, I would say that the the plug that I would talk about right now, um, and it's it. Uh, Laurel has gone through, uh, had a, a, a really roller coaster 2018 um, from some real tragic things that happened to Laurel to some really amazing things that happened for the Young Fables. And uh, all of that is kind of tied up into a nice little bow in this uh, documentary that talks about uh, what's really an epic story um, in this uh, uh this movie, this feature documentary that kind of landed, uh, kind of happened to us, mm-hmm. uh, um, called the fable of a song. And if everybody wanted to check that out, it's www.thefableofasong.com where we had, um, decided to record the songwriting process to pull back the curtain and give people an idea of what the songwriting process was like. So we went in there to capture the story behind a song and uh, the real story of that song ended up happening after mm-hmm. um, the song. So it wasn't the story behind the song, Very but the story in front yeah. of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so cameras were kind of rolling when some uh, some things that will, will definitely be benchmarks in Laurel and Wes's life sure. uh, happened. And um, it's a super powerful story that I'm excited to see out there in the world. Awesome. Well, you all heard it here. Check that story out. And if you're not doing so already, listen to The Young Fables. Um, I mean, my daughter pulled them up on Spotify through Alexa earlier. So everyone should be listening. You have no excuses out there. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening today. And of course, as always, you can reach us at musicandtheorypodcast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook and please follow us on Instagram. Um, rock on. Mm-hmm.